Well, speaking of doing it again, this time last year, Anwar, you were on the show for the first time covering Texas, of course, for Orange Bloods here at SEC Media Day. Mm. You keep coming to this event. Texas is not even in the league yet. <laughs> <laughs> How fired up, though? Because it seems like every Texas, every Oklahoma yeah. thing we post, man, the fans are excited about the SEC. Absolutely. Uh, what's it like over at Orange Bloods, the, the anticipation? Oh, it's, it's, it's high, you know. I mean, like, t- to your point, I was here last year. I was at the SEC spring meetings. I'm at this one, you know. I was telling you guys before we started on the show, uh, I spent about one day at Big 12 Media Days last week, and I've been out here since Sunday. So I think that tells you all you need to know. Um, you know, there's, a, there's an anticipation level, you know, from the fan base. And, you know, everyone understands, like, they still got one more year yeah. in the Big 12 and, and all that entails. But it's hard not to look forward. And so, you know, the coaches, their responsibility is to focus in on this season. But as reporters, as people who are fans, yeah. we don't have to do any, any of that stuff. We can, yeah. look, we, can, we can look at the Big 12, we go to the SEC, like all those kind of things. So, you know, for me, it's kind of was important. Uh, to make sure, you know, they gave everyone kind of a behind-the-scenes look about things that are being said and and talked about as relates to Texas as, you know, next year this thing will happen. You guys will be in Dallas, so you'll be in my neck of the woods (laughs) next year for SEC Media Days. And so uh, it's been a good experience, a fun experience. Even – a UT's SID, they're, the couple of they're, they're, that people from their department were out here yep. kind of scouting it out and seeing what to expect and kind of getting the lay of the land. Right. So uh, that's kind of been what's happening, you know, the kind of this entire offseason as anticipation builds. I don't think I'll ever get used to someone saying UT and it not be Tennessee. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's going to be hard. Yeah. It's going to be hard because, you, you know, you just heard, you know, Coach Heupel was, you know, asked about that. He yep. said there's only one there's UT. There's only one UT. Well, yeah. he's going to learn. <laughs> when he turns on the SEC neck and they say, and up next, UT, Coach Sark, and what they're doing down there in Austin. He's going to be like, what in the hell just happened? Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, we want to talk a lot of Texas with you, but yeah. I, I'm curious, what have you learned about SEC mm-hmm. while you're here? Maybe it could be coach, could be player, could be anything in general. What, what's maybe the main takeaway you're, you're picking up from all this SEC knowledge you're soaking in? Well, there's a couple of different things. I think, you know, when, you know, it's funny from the outside when you hear people talk about SEC, it just means more. It sounds cliche, right? And right. then when you get here, you realize, oh, it does mean more, right? It's, it's kind of like I've, I've viewed it. I've, I think I've said this before. It's kind of like coming to the SEC, these, these meetings, it's almost like going into like the VIP of a club. Yeah. And, so, and all of a sudden, you've been on the outside before. And it's been kind of cool. You're just sitting at the bar, and then you come into the VIP lounge. Like, wow, we get bottle service here. You know, yeah. this person comes out with sparklers, and it's like <laughs> and you just like it's, it's, it's a different difference. It's, it's so much more uh, professional. You know, everything that's done. You like even down to the little things. Like, I'll give you a good example. So I was at Big Twelve Media Days uh, a couple of weeks ago, and then they had you know like kind of the breakout sessions. So they would have a coach was sitting here, and then have a player right next to him, and so they would have like a, a coach with a speaker. That was going, and a player who was supposed to be sitting right next to them going at the same time. So you couldn't hear. Right. You know, it was just, it was like chaos that was going on at one time. And, um, you know, and here you can just see, okay, coaches on the stage and like how professionally it's done. And, you know, the players in different spots and like the breakout there, you can see that how they treat the media. You know, I think yesterday something happened I've never seen done. I saw four, four coaches go to the stage and thank the media for covering them. Yeah. Uh, what does that happen? Like, <laughs> well, you, you never, I don't live in a world where people thank the media for doing anything and let that you sort of appreciation, you sort 
a kind of a working relationship uh, between the SEC and how the, the, the media is. Uh, and, you know, I learned that there's a high level of respect for the University of Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I don't think anyone looks at him and says, oh, my gosh, this is the savior of the league. But I think they feel that there's a respect level that, you know, Texas is going to bring some brand recognition, some yeah. name brand stuff, and, and hopefully a good quality of football, you know, that's to come. Uh, but people respect Coach Sarkeesian. You know, Lane Kiffin talked about him and their relationship that they have. Clearly, Nick Saban has a, you know, a long relationship with him as well. So there's a respect level there. So I feel like overall what I've learned from the SEC is that I feel like they're welcoming you yeah. know, of Texas, you know, I feel like the welcome of the media members, yeah. the welcoming of, of having, uh, you know, kind of, I guess I say moving into this new direction, you know, of this kind of big, bad super conference that's going to happen. And it's going to be basically the SEC and it's just going to be everybody else. Yeah. yeah. Well, let me ask you, we're talking about most anticipated games coming up this season. Mm-hmm. One of the ones at the top of the list has got to be Texas and Alabama. Yeah. yeah we got a real, we got a hell of a game last year. And mm-hmm. honestly, you Felt like you guys missed an opportunity yeah. there. What's what? What's kind of the the fan interact? Because we again we we're new to Longhorn Nation here. So what what is kind of the anticipation on their side coming into this game? I think there is anticipation that, that from the Texas fans that it's it's kind of first I'll start with let's say it like this: it's unfinished business. Yeah. It's kind of like the the at that Alabama Texas game is almost like Rocky one. Right, <laughs> where all of a sudden, you know, it's like Creed, Apollo Creed, he won, but Rocky, the, the fans felt like, man, you know, Rocky could have won that fight, and then you have to have the rematch, and that's what I feel like there too is like Rocky too is like it's the rematch, and it's like Apollo Creed, he can't feel like a man, I, feel, I can't feel really good, the Bama can't feel really good because they got to say to themselves, well, Quinn Ewers got hurt, Hudson Carr, the backup, he got hurt, right, and so all of a sudden they tell you, so they got the victory. But Texas fans were saying, man, but you know what? We feel like we could have really won that thing. And so, yeah. you know, I think going in there, uh, you know, as Sarkeesian has kind of been building this program, you know, one of the things, and I think I've said this on the show, but it's, it's worth re- repeating, that one of the things that Sark has really learned, he learned it from that Arkansas game a couple of years ago when they got their butts kicked. Yeah. He understood that they weren't ready to compete in the SEC. Like, they just didn't have a team that would be able to keep, compete week in and week out. And the biggest thing that they noticed was that in the trenches – they didn't have the guys. Yeah. They didn't have the guys on the offensive line. They didn't have the guys on the defensive line. And remember that Arkansas game, that defensive line was just battering. Just, they were rushing yeah, three right. and getting to the quarterback at will. And so they were able to kind of strengthen the offensive line. They had a, a great, probably would have viewed as one of the great offensive line recruiting classes in school history just a couple of years ago. You know, they'll go into Tuscaloosa with a, a left tackle by the name of Kelvin Banks. Just write this down, K E L. V-I-N Banks. He started as a freshman last season in every single game. He locked down everybody. He's viewed as a guy that by next year will be a first-round draft pick at left tackle. They've got a lot of good veteran uh, offensive linemen, so they feel really good about what they have up front. They feel really good about what they're going to have on the defensive side of the ball. But the real thing for them is going to be at the skill positions, they're going to be really good. Yeah. Okay, so because they've got Quinn Ewers, so they've got him coming back for another year, and all the belief is that he's going to be a better quarterback than he was last year. And you look, and Texas enters this game probably with a better quarterback room than Alabama does because Alabama's a little bit unsettled yeah. at that position. You know, they're still trying to figure out who it is. You know, Nick Saban was here saying that, you know, he's, he's still got to let this thing play out over the next month before he, got, he goes and finally decides who he's going to be with. Texas doesn't have that problem. You know, they've got Quinn Ewers. On the receiver side, 
They've got Xavier Worthy, uh, you know, who is, who is of course, a preseason uh, Big 12 guy, but he's viewed as a first-round draft pick. On the other side, they got a Georgia transfer by the name of A.D. Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and A.D., when he was healthy, was very good, very effective. was kind of a touchdown machine for Georgia in his limited reps, but he's going to be a starter there. Uh, they've got Jatavian Sanders, you know, as a tight end, who's viewed as the number two tight end in the country. He's viewed as another high draft pick, so you look at those skill positions. And then they had a guy by the name of Isaiah Nayer who got injured last season, but what is what was one of the top receivers in the transfer market, uh, but he got hurt right before the season, got an ACL. He's back but as well, so I'm talking about from a firepower standpoint, they're going to have a lot. Now the key in, a, on the, in a, the hard parts for them is, from a running back perspective, it's going to be hard to replace a B. John Robinson. Right. You know, that guy gets drafted in, in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons for a reason, right? Uh, and then their backup running back by the name of Roshan Johnson, he got drafted in the fourth round. <laughs> you know, so, you know, you're replacing two guys, and that's yeah. how good that backfield was when you're, you know, your backup gets drafted in the fourth round. So they've got some guys that are trying to work in there, but they feel like they've got the quarterback. They feel like they're really good at the receiver. They feel like they're really good up front. And they feel like when they go into T- Tuscaloosa that they're actually going to be – they're going to be – they feel like it'll be more than competitive, you know. Yeah. And, and I don't think Sark's going to be worried about that. He's not going to be afraid about that. He's, he's going to have those guys know this is what the environment is. This is what to expect. Uh, but I think from Texas fans, going back to what you're saying, they feel really good about this. And by the way, Texas is favored to win 11 out of 12 games this year. So the yeah. fan base is really, really good. The only game that they're not favored to win is Alabama. Uh, but, there's, of course, they have optimism there. So how many touchdowns do they win by? <laughs> you saving left yesterday. No. <laughs> Man, I don't know. You know, I, I just play fantasy. That's easier. Yeah. Well, you hit on something important there, the quarterback room. For Texas, a strength. Alabama, I don't want to call it a weakness, even though I kind of think it is. But it's more of a question. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a credit to Steve Sarkeesian, obviously. Yeah. Because when he was at Bama, that was the strongest part of Alabama's roster, too. Now that's at Texas. So, Will this be a measuring stick game, you think, for Texas? I mean, because, you know, they're saying all the right things. They're they're Mm -hmm. trying to win the Big 12 the final year they're there. But Mm -hmm. what will that say, even if they don't win? I know Texas fans are optimistic they can beat Alabama. But let's say they they take them to the wire in Tuscaloosa. That's that's how Alabama's only lost two home games in the last ten years. Mm -hmm. So it's very unlikely anybody goes down there and wins a game. But not getting run out of the building like you did at Arkansas, getting ready for SEC play, I I have to imagine – the fan base is viewing this as, as a measuring stick to see how far Sark has taken this program and, and how far uh, or what to expect when they do make that jump to the SEC. Yeah, I think you, you, you make a, a good point. So what's interesting about Texas versus the SEC over the last several years Texas actually has been okay and been pretty competitive in those games. They played a bowl game against Missouri. I want to say that was in mm-hmm. 2017, and Texas uh, won that one. They played against Georgia, yep. of course, in the Sugar Bowl, uh, and Texas ended up winning that one, and that was because, I guess, Georgia decided they didn't want to be there because they didn't <laughs> well, get into the yeah, I wanted to give you a heads up real quick. In the SEC, when we lose a bowl game, uh-huh. we didn't want to be there. So <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so we Remember that. that line. Remember, Remember that line. Yes. Yeah. You know, there was a Texas plays against against uh, L- uh, LSU at home. Uh, they end up losing by a touchdown and what a, a great game. And what yeah. no one knew at the time was going to be one of the greatest football teams in, in, in college football history, that, 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 that 15-0 right. team. But Texas, that was a competitive game that they, they should have won. Um, like you said, they get their butt stomped against Arkansas. That happened. Uh, then they're competitive against Alabama. So there's this belief. 
amongst the Texas fan base that they're not that far off. You know, they're, they're not this team that's going to go in there and say, you know, they're going to get their butts beat because they've been very competitive and they've won some of those some of these games. Um, so uh, tell me your question again because I started going off a little bit of well, a tangent what, in my head. How, how the fan base is viewing that Alabama matchup as a yeah. measuring stick for yeah, so Texas. Yeah, so when it comes to – yeah, so that's so, so that the measuring stick um, – I think it'll be a little bit of a measuring stick for sure, and it's going to be a big game. Everyone's going to be, you know, watching it. And so, sure, I think they going into the day, they understand that, what that, that looks like. I think the disappointment will be if they get run out the building. Like, yeah. if there's this buildup of all this and they just get run out the building, then all of a sudden Texas fans are going to say to themselves, okay, I don't know what the heck happened. You know, that's a, that's a Santa Claus isn't real thing. But if <laughs> but if, there's, if they're competitive for four quarters and, you know, if by some chance they lose at that, you know, like three points or seven points or something right. like that, I think Texas fans will be like say to themselves, okay, they're okay. Now, no Texas fan wants to me to talk about them losing the game because optimistically they don't feel like they're going to win. But realistically, I think they'll take that as a, you know, a, a small quote-unquote victory. Um, but I'm telling you, I am telling you, the Texas fan base feels like they have a shot. Like they, they go into that thing knowing like, ooh, it's going to be tough. But if a couple of things go their way, yeah. they, feel, they feel like it can happen. If they do, could you imagine? Oh I mean, I, I would imagine Texas thinks they're going to win the first three SEC championships. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> they that reality will kick in. I saw, I saw Oklahoma, uh, not to bring those guys up, but I, I saw them bring up that stat. What is it, 50 championships in the last 100 years, conference championships. So, I just – I don't know. It's, it is going to be a little bit different over here. But I, I do want to ask you, because every time you come on, mm-hmm. it's about 98% Texas A&M chiming in, <laughs> telling them these boys ain't ready. Are, when, you, when you got to see the, the schedule come out, obviously uh-huh. we don't know exactly when this is going to be played. How excited were you to see that Texas-Texas A&M match? kicking off again well texas a&m should know what not being ready looks like so if they <laughs> if they if, if they go and tell you that someone's not ready then a&m would know i mean that's five and seven last season so they should know what not being ready looks like i would i would listen to uh, you know everything that they're saying but um you know you asked about the rivalry right it, yeah. it's 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 a rivalry that needed to be, you know, restored. You know, that, that, the pettiness between both of the schools um, was, was the, probably to the detriment of college football. Yeah. You know, that, those teams need to play each other. So you can't imagine just not having Alabama versus Auburn, you right. know, to a certain degree. Yeah. If you look at, like, Florida and not, you know, Florida State, like, just imagine that saying, well, you know, you're in a different conference, so we're not going to play each other. Like, no, yeah. you, you make those rivalry games happen no matter what. So, you know, it's funny, like, each program acted like they didn't need each other going forward. Like, Texas A&M said, oh, we got the SEC. We don't need you. And Texas is like, well, you guys left, so you know what? Screw you. We don't need you either. But at the end of the day, they both needed each yeah. other. Yeah. Like, they could, they'd lie to each other. Because here's the thing. Now that it's official, and especially when Texas started going to SEC, now the trash talk between them is, has heated up. Now everyone I, – I got A&M fans all in my mentions, and I know I'll be, they'll be back today. They got mad at me for tweeting out something about their guys wearing sunglasses, you know, indoors. And, then, you know, they, they just they – just, it was barrage, barrage. So that, it's a rivalry that needs to happen. It's cool that it happened, obviously, back – you know, let them go to Texas A&M because, God forbid, if the first game had been in Austin, they would have cried and complained about that. 
right? The same way they cried to complain because they didn't want Texas to come to the SEC. Yeah. So it, they, they, they can say they're going to say everything, but this is this is rivalry football, you know? Yeah. And this is yeah. what that's it's about. That's that's that that's that heated thing that goes back and forth. And Texas, of course, uh, has Oklahoma, you know, as a, as a rival, and that's a yeah. big one, you know, for them, and that's a historic one as well. But as you know, the in-state rivalry games, there's nothing like them. Yeah, yeah that, uh, that's I'm glad he went there because that's exactly what I wanted to ask you. I, I have to assume Oklahoma is the chief rival because yeah. they don't play A&M anymore, but they soon will. How quickly do you think A&M could be the biggest rival for Texas, or, or do you think it will just always remain Oklahoma? Well, I think it, it will depend on, you know, what they do. If they stay, if they stay for the eight-game schedule, you know, after 2024, and then it just rotates, then no, it's not going to be a rival. Because I don't it, think they will, though, from yeah. what I'm hearing. Well, if they don't, then that will be great, right? Yeah. Because if they go to the nine, if you, that's what you're hearing, you're hearing nine games. If mm-hmm. they go to the nine, then all of a sudden, you know, you know that – it's going to be close, you know. It's going to be close because when I talk to different people in the fan base, you know, it's it, there is there's Paul, there's more A and M fans that you'll see inside the state of Texas than you will necessarily see Oklahoma fans. So yeah. you know, I can see Aggie stuff all throughout in different neighborhoods and things to that effect. So I think the both of them will be big. But if this thing, this game, is starting to be played on Thanksgiving Day, kind of like it used to be back in the day, you know, the the thing is like. Texas, Texas A&M. I mean, Texas fans have been talking about that that Justin Tucker victory for years. You yeah. know, like more so than anything else. And so that's going to be that's going to be interesting. And, and you know, the other thing that's going to make this rivalry really interesting is that the couple of things from a recruiting battles staying like over the last few years. If you lost a battle and a kid went to Texas. Well, for if you were at Texas A&M, it never really mattered because you didn't play against them. Yeah. And vice versa. If you lost a kid to A&M, it didn't matter because you didn't play against them. Now, all of a sudden, it's going to matter because you're going to be able to see that kid. So that hurts you. That, that helps and hurts as far as recruiting is concerned. But then it puts the pressure. And I feel like the pressure ends up, you know, especially from a recruiting standpoint and a rivalry standpoint, the pressure gets on a guy like Jimbo Fisher. Because, yeah. God forbid, Texas comes in this conference next season and has more success than Texas A&M. Absolutely. Like, that all of a sudden, now all of a sudden, it's, it's that, that, make that rivalry thing heats up a, a, a lot because you can't have that. You can't have Sark come in and they win 10 games and A&M's at, you know, at 7 or 8 or whatever that case may be. So it does ra- it's going to ratchet up pretty quickly. Yeah. All right, last thing for you, Anwar. Yeah. I really appreciate your time. Of course. So much buzz about Arch Manning. Mm. And I realize in Austin, they don't, if he's the starting quarterback, we had someone else on. They said, well, disaster has struck. If he's yeah. right. So I'm not asking that. But a lot of people we hear from, they say, well, if his name was – uh, Arch Smith, he you know he wouldn't have been the number one overall pit, pick or, or prospect. Yeah, me. sure. So, what's the early read on him? I know mm-hmm. it's early, but do you think uh, or, you know what's the buzz? Is he living up to the hype, so to speak, at least early on? And, and can he be the future of the program? Can he be the future of the program? Potentially, yes. Yeah. You know, I guess that was kind of a double answer, right? But um, he's not there yet. Okay, so he's a third-string guy under, you know, Malik Murphy, who Malik Murphy had a really good spring. And Arch, you know, he entered in with a lot of high expectations. Not to say that he won't be there, but right now he's still a guy who's learning, a guy that, you know, played at a smaller school in, in Louisiana who's playing on major college football uh, and is going to have to learn. And while he may have the last name and he has the pedigree and all those kind of things and he has all the resources, the best resources in the world to improve, I think you look at that and you say to yourself, yeah, he can do that. But right now, you know, if something happens right now, Malik Murphy, uh, he comes in and he's, he's the backup quarterback for now. 
Arch, basically, what he has to do is kind of learn and grow and improve and be ready to battle for the position in 2024. The plan is for Quinn Ewers to have a good season. That's what everyone hopes for. It's, I mean, when I say everyone, I mean the, the, the staff. Right. And then he goes pro. Yeah. And then those two kind of battle it out next year. But the things that I, I hear is that no one's willing to see, say that this is Archie's job in 2024. It's just a matter of time. They tell me he's going to have to earn it because they re- they're really high on Malik Murphy. And by the way, if do yourself a favor and just research. I don't know if you guys saw that viral picture of their quarterback room, but just go ahead and look up Malik Murphy. He's got two A's in his first name, and look at his physique and look how he. I mean, he's like six seven. He looks to be about two forty ish or something <laughs> like that. He's he. They did a court. They did a picture of all the quarterbacks together at this spring. Just about sometime in actually, I said spring in June. I mean, he looks like he's trying out for a Fast and Furious movie. Like, whatever you think <laughs> Jalen Monroe looks like, he's the guy that picks up Jalen and throws him off the balcony, right? So, But he's also a good quarterback, and he came with a high pedigree, highly recruited out of California. You know, Steve Sarkeesian is a California kind of guy, so, you know, he's able to pluck that guy out there. So there will be a battle that will happen in 2024. So for me, lower the expectations on Arch and then see what he does next season. Right, before you go, Anwar, can you tell the audience where can they find you? Oh, it's real simple. It's a, uh, you know, you can find me on Twitter. It's real simple. Anwar Richardson. It's A N W A R Richardson. Go ahead and send me all your hate tweets, and of course, I'm <laughs> for OrangeBloods.com. Anwar Richardson. Don't make me block you. <laughs> no, I just mute them and then just let them keep talking to themselves. It's kind of fun. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank